Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Whether you seek adventure, search for answers, break down barriers, or see the world for what it can be, you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I am delighted to be joined once again by Kevin Graham. We're a few minutes late because the internet seemed to have crashed. Uh, I think the Celtic Gremlins were back in play there, Kevin, trying to stop us for broadcasting. What do you reckon? 5G conspiracist theories and Russians. Russians. Okay. It's all about this vaccine that's gone mental. Everything's gone mental. That was just a temporary outage, I think, but we're back, we're back, which is great. So, Kevin, there's plenty to discuss. As we are on live, we know that the Celtic AGM is um, up and running. I'm trying to get live updates on that as well. Uh, Neil Lennon was late. The AGM is underway. Dermot Desmond reappointed. Ian Bankier re-elected. Are you expecting anything unusual or surprising from today's events at the AGM? I found it quite unusual. I had a quick look this morning on one of these Glasgow websites and what what it actually says was that they reckon that they're going to discuss a director of football. 
which really? I found which I found a bit weird for it's obviously this website's maybe been uh, been given a nod about something. I don't know if they have, uh, but they says that they, but they says that they were going to uh, discuss a director of football, also refunds for this season as well. So, is it uh, what you would say uh, one of these websites or podcasts that is in the know? I mean, that's one of these things that we're aware of, Kevin, in relation to, for example, people who for a number of years have been spoon fed information from the clubs. Is it is it one of these websites that you're referring to? It's one of the, it's a mainstream website, aye. Oh. So, so I, I think they've maybe been given the nod about some things that may get discussed mm. uh, at it. So I can see that uh, Peter Lowell has backed Lennon, um, and he's responding at the moment to the sleeping at the wheel claim. I think I said they were intoxicated at the wheel rather than sleeping at the wheel, Kev. I'd say I'd I'd say I'd cast the Rolls Royce into the swimming pool. Eh? Aye, be here now style. Aye. Absolutely right. So we'll keep an eye on that AGM as it goes along. It doesn't look as though we're going to get anything groundbreaking today, like an announcement from Peter Lowell regarding his own future. Um, that's something that we had spoken about during the week, Kevin. Do you think that is something that is in the more immediate kind of term rather than a long-term announcement? I, I don't know. I think that announcement will be made. I mean, I've got nothing personal against Peter. I've been in plenty of meetings with him. I know what he's like. I know that he does do what he reckons is best. You know, you know how that sounded there, Kev? I've been in plenty of meetings with him. Did you call him uh, Peter there? Did you just call him by his first name? See, that's, how he, that's what he does to you. Wow. Uh, that's, what he, that's, where he get, that's where he gets paid the big money. And, anyway, what, what I'm going to say is, um, I think 17 years for a CEO is far too long for any sort of business. And we need a, chain, we need a change of direction. And I think the announcement that uh, Peter Wall will be leaving uh, will happen sometime. Hopefully, it's on Axon. Maybe, maybe he'll give us the world exclusive that that he is leaving. But as I say, the, the one thing came back to me yesterday, Paul, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about when I actually say this. And he says it off air, and it was about Dermot Desmond and Peter Wall, mm-hmm. and and he says. He feared this guy feared the day that Celtic weren't run by Celtic fans, yeah. and that that always stuck in the back of my mind. Eh? And mm. I know, and, and I know people shout that oh, Peter Wall's not a Celtic man, Dermot Desmond's not a Celtic man. I, I I do disagree with that. I really do disagree with that. They make decisions based on business rather than we would make our decisions based on emotional. But I reckon both. Well, I know for a fact Peter Wall's a Celtic fan, and I. I Dermot Desmond wouldn't wouldn't be involved in Celtic for as long as he is, with no money making opportunities if he wasn't if he didn't have an emotional attachment to the club as well. Eh? So that always sticks in my mind. If Dermot mm-hmm. Desmond was to sell up, who would we end up with? Would we end up with? And, and what happens if we get a CEO that comes in, which is not a Celtic man? which is like a CEO that's there to run us like a business, more of a business than what we're currently run. It's it's a frightening thought. And we know the guy who says it, Paul. And for it to come from from him, who is no fan of Peter Wall, not one, one fan of Peter Wall at all, I was really, I was, I thought it was quite an interesting comment. I thought it was quite a, a scary comment for him to actually say that. 
Yeah, well, I'm going to run through some of these because I think most people will be uh, tuning in online to the virtual AGM. Uh, Peter Lowell calls for unity. I use his full name, Kevin, because I don't know him as uh, intimately as you do. But he is calling for unity and says criticism only benefits those who want Celtic to fail. I don't buy that for a second. Are they looking for a situation where Celtic supporters or anybody with any form of platform hasn't to criticise the goings-on at Celtic? That's ridiculous. We have to criticise a football club. Even when we're even when we're going well, we have to criticise our football club. And for, for him to say that is a, a, a absolute nonsense. I sit here and criticise and no way in the world do I want Celtic Football Club to fail. No, no. way do I want Celtic Football Club club to fail. So for me that's just absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Well, here's another rubbish one for you. Peter Lowell thinks that the communication between fans and the board is up to scratch. Now, it does hail the SLO, and uh, I've got a lot of time and respect for JP Taylor, so big shout out to JP. Um, However, and I think JP's contact with the support is fantastic. I mean, he does exactly what he's able to do. We all know that the size of club that Celtic are, the amount of people that are at a home game, Kevin, you need more than one SLO. I mean, some time ago, you interviewed the two fellas from uh, Feyenoord. Remember the SLOs mm-hmm. from Feyenoord? Did they have five or six at that they time? Had, they, had, they had three full-time and seven on match days. So they had, they had, they had, basically, they had basically a full team. Uh, sorry, so, uh, a guy chat my, my, my door for a parcel. All right. <laughs> um, no, no, they, they had they had they had seven on a match day and three full time, and the, the, that shows. And we, we're we're a far bigger club than Feyenoord. Well, I was going to say, what kind of crowds did they get, Kev? It's certainly not sixty thousand at uh, their home games, is it, or anywhere near it? Can you put me but, off for two seconds? I'll put you off for longer than that, boy. Hurry up. I'll, I'll have a wee look at the AGM as Kevin goes to check his parcel, um, if indeed that is who's at his door. Who knows who turns up at the door of Kevin Graham. Um, but Peter Lowell is coming away with some belters today at the AGM and uh, feel free to get involved in criticising the, the things that you are able to criticise because I think that's a nonsense to suggest that um, we can't criticise Celtic because it only benefits those who want to see us failing. I don't believe that for an for a second. Is he expecting everybody to be sycophants and just agree with every decision that's made at Celtic? I think that's a nonsense. Uh, Peter Lowell also responds to sleeping at the wheel claim. He insists that Celtic are not sleeping at the wheel. Uh, they've invested heavily in the club this summer and dismisses those suggestions. Well, I think that uh, the larger issue with that, Kevin, welcome back to the show, Kev. I hope that parcel was worth it, mate. A wee last-minute Christmas gift there for the missus. Oh. Um, the sleeping at the real claim isn't about the transfer window this season it's about a long-term deterioration of our performances in Europe it's about replacing Brennan Rodgers with a manager who was nowhere near that level of manager and it's about a number of transfer windows where you know you can say we've invested but look at the caliber of player that we've got we're continually trying to find the next Van Dyke, and we're you know we've not found one for I don't know how many years we've not found a, a two and a half million pound player Kevin that we can turn a profit on for years and years yeah, up until January 2020, but we're still trying to do it. By the way, Soros come good, thank God. But um, Klamala's, I mean, if we were to sell Klamala tomorrow, we'd probably, uh, at best, get our money back, you know. Um, but it was probably, you know, loan him out for the last couple of years of his contract, because that's what we've done with virtually every signing around about that 
that amount. So it's not about uh, what you've just done in the transfer market. It's certainly about your Champions League performance over the last nine seasons. Or am I picking that up wrong, Kev? No, you're not picking that up wrong. It's the only part of the business model that actually works is every so often we get a player that we sell. That's the only part that it works. Uh, when you when you look at, I'm sure I'm sure they've probably got a key key performance indicators with regard with regards to uh, sponsorship money coming in, season tickets. The mm. only time he's ever got it perfect was when they appointed Brendan Rodgers. Every other time it's been a gamble. It's been could be actually be seen as a cheap option. It could actually be seen as a taking a risk. Basically, we've had nine years to have a go at the Champions League. Mm. Nine years to have a go at the Champions League. And the only manager that's delivered on a regular basis to get us into the Champions League group stages was Brendan Rodgers. And it's two of his three seasons, mm. which was unbelievable. You had the Ronnie Dyler project, which basically didn't get us into the European, where we wanted to be. Because at that time, well, let's not, the Scottish League wasn't the be-all and end-all. So... Well, Europe was where we're going to measure ourselves, and we some we had some horrendous nights in Europe under yeah, Ronnie Dyer, and we had some great nights. The Inter Milan game at, at Celtic Park was what a fantastic night as well. But we didn't get a result. We didn't get a result that night, but it was a fantastic game. It was a brilliant game. Um, so as somebody's just put in, it's four, four qualifications for the Champions League in twelve years. Yes, countless untold lost millions of pounds, tens and tens of millions of pounds. Yeah. Stevie Mullen last week came out with a list of players that we had signed in January. Mm-hmm. And as I says last week, that list could actually get people put in the jail, the amount of money that we've la- we've wasted on, on players. So our criticism is not of them spending £12 million in the summer. Our criticism is of them not reading the room and not getting their long-term strategy right and always looking like they're doing it ad hoc. Uh, they, they, Kevin, they you're spot on. Part. You're spot on. Well, they've been caught with their pants down with Rangers this season. There's no doubt about it. There's been a complacency that, that's set in at Celtic Park um, in the highest reaches of the boardroom, and there's no doubt about it. So I, I think, it, you know, this is all bluster as far as I'm concerned. And by the way, I didn't come on to, to rip everything Peter Lowell says to pieces, but as I see it coming through on the live thread, I, I'm disagreeing with virtually every single part of it. Um, Peter Lowell understands the fans' frustrations. He thinks that he understands, uh, but says it's slightly over the top. Um, right, okay, maybe he's talking about some of the minority within the protest, Kevin, who have got a wee bit kind of violent or aggressive, perhaps. Maybe that, yeah, I think everybody would agree that's over the top. But I don't think uh, protesting's over the top. Uh, but again, how far removed are they if they think that we're only protesting because we've had a couple of bad results? It's far deeper than that, Kevin. It is far deeper than that. And what's getting brought up now in, into the public domain has been getting said to them by supporters groups for years and years. It's just now, and and he can quite rightly deflect and say it is over the top because it's only became public over the last five six weeks when when we've been gone when we've been going through this bad spells, and that's very very easy for them to def- deflect. That's very easy for them to put out that narrative. By the way, this is all this is all hyperbole. This is all uh, overreaction because we've only lost well we've lost one one cup tie in thirty six. 
for for whatever it is. Eh? That that's a load of rubbish. They know behind the scenes there's been supporter group telling them. By the way, if you mess up this year, hell menges because mm-hmm. history won't be counties. And they, they've been playing with us for they've been playing with us for years. They've been playing with us moment turning up for years. Uh, I, I, as I says, when we walked out of Hamden that night when we had done the treble treble. And was that with we, you that night? No, no it was no, the Motherwell we game. game eh? Yeah, yeah. When I walked out of Hamden that night, absolutely chucking it down, I had the CSC's massive banner. It was soaking because it was lying on the track. It, is that I mean, the Tommy Gemmel banner? The Tommy Gemmel banner. I mean, it is seven, banner. It's 17 foot by 10 foot. Imagine that sitting out for two hours in the rain. Oh, mm. it, was, it was heavy. <laughs> really heavy carrying it back to the, the bus. And... The way they appointed Neil Lennon says to me at that point, you've never listened to a word that we've said over no. the last five or six years. No. You, think, you think you can get away with us. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think, I said this yesterday, I think at that point they chucked their, their own game plan out the window and went to short term. They didn't start looking long term, they went to short term. And this summer, they've went to short term as well. They've, they've made a massive investment but the problem was they didn't believe in their own. They didn't believe in their own game plan, and their game plan should have been somebody should have been sold in the summer. To, their, to, their own strategy. To, yeah, you're right. They've, they've actually fund. changed, changed from what you would expect, didn't they? Yeah. Um, before we go any further, because I'm going to get delved into every other point prior to Peter Lowell taking the stage, because obviously Resolution Eleven is part of that as well, Kevin. But uh, just to pass on our deepest condolences uh, to uh, an absolute legend of the football world and Gerard Houllier. Uh, who unfortunately and very sadly died today. He's a manager who uh, there were discussions at one point with Celtic to bring him in as a manager. He would have been a fantastic manager at Celtic, Kevin. He would have been. He had already signed the contract with Liverpool and he says that he wasn't going to renege on it, but he did recommend Joe Venglos. He that did, was, yeah. He recommended Venglos. Eh? When you look at, uh, I've read some some things online for, um, for Liverpool fans and they say, he started what they're now seeing. They're saying really? that he that he brought in the culture change of the club, mm-hmm. uh, that which took them away. Obviously, which Sunas destroyed when Sunas went there, and they, they went through went through a, lo- a, a load of managers who were probably more in the boot room type of mold. Yeah, and football had moved on, and they're saying that Hulley was the catalyst for for what we're seeing now at Liverpool Football Club. Okay, so you look at Gerard Houllier, let's say 2000, he's a manager of Liverpool and he implements, um, you know, a culture change which takes 20 years to breed success. Yet, Neil Lennon thought we could uh, change the culture in three days after that game where he came out talking about a culture change, which I found pretty interesting at the time. So, yeah, it took 20 years for Liverpool to win the league, even though the culture change was implemented about, you know, in about 2000 when Houllier was in charge. Um, Now, Bankier, Ian Bankier assesses the year and he says it's a very successful year on the pitch despite the season being halted. Uh, we're in a very promising position with £30 million in the bank. Um, but let's have a look at some of the resolutions, Kevin, because I know that uh, in your previous life within the affiliation, you will have been dealing with a lot of topics such as resolutions, etc. And uh, resolution 11 not carried over. 97.18% have voted against the board referring the SFA to UEFA with regard to its licensing practices. Resolution 11 is not carried over. Bank here is satisfied with the decision. He insists the shareholders um, has not misled. 
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Um, shareholders over this issue. Is that Resolution 12 stroke 11 now finally dead, Kevin? And I mean, I know that there's been a huge amount of work done in the background by um, a committed group of Celtic fans to, to keep it alive this long. I'm, I, feel ve- I feel extremely bad for the, the, the Res 12 guys, even though it's now been changed to Res 11. Mm. Probably deliberately, to tell you the truth. Um, I think it's been dead for years. I think the club have parked it for years, and these guys have just kept on going and going with an extremely strong case. And Celtic, once again, have looked at their corporate entity, their corporate brand, and went, well, there's no point in us chasing this because this, is, this could be bad for business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same when they hide behind, they're hiding behind the business speak, ain't they? Like they've done with quite a lot of stuff that's going to come out with the boys' club stuff and that as well. That They're hiding behind their corporate image. And they, they say that they're a club like no other when it suits them. And other times they just, I mean, it's, come on, that licensing, the res 12 was utterly blatant cheating. Mm-hmm. And the evidence is there. The evidence is there to bring, the, the evidence is there to bring down the guys in the SFA who were there. I mean, you have a look at the five-way agreement. You have a look at the... the Peter Lowell's oh, never seen it, Kevin. Well, I've seen it, so surely he's seen it. Well, that's what he said last year, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure um, Eric Riley, who's been copied into all the emails, did he not forward it on to him, no? Yeah, well... Does that know what happened? Does that know what happens? Does Eric Riley, who was, uh, was it a lawyer, board member, stadium... Maybe those messages self-destruct, Kevin, like the old Inspector Gadget cartoons. It's as, as ridiculous as that. If you've seen it, I'm pretty sure Peter Lowell's seen it, um, but he claimed last year that he hadn't. So um, there's a lot of reappointments. Tom Allison, Dermot Desmond, Brian Wilson, Ian Bankier uh, reappointed, Sharon Brown reappointed. Um, I think there's there's a feeling among Celtic fans that we really are disconnected to the, the vast majority of the board. There seems to be a lot of faceless entities, Kevin, who, you know, you've, you're always going to have figureheads. But a lot of these people, for me, are just faceless entities in suits that are so far out, r- removed from what the Celtic support want. But, you know, just get re-elected year on year. There seems to be no creativity, no free thinking in that Celtic boardroom whatsoever. There isn't. And I, I think it's... Uh, 
what do they want Celtic to be? I mean, it's completely different to what we want Celtic to be off the pitch. On the pitch, we all want Celtic to be utterly successful, especially we have been domestically. We want to have Celtic to have an image off the pitch, but basically, our our PLC just want us to be Man United, and that that doesn't sit right with me. I've, I've been very vocal on that. And they just make bad decisions. They make bad decisions based on what would Man United do here. For me, anyway, that, that's what I think. They make decisions on what, what, what would Man United do, but then they're not they're not willing to actually pay the cash to get a, an elite manager. Well, you look mm. at Man you look at Man United appointing Solskjaer. And we were we we know quite a lot of Man United fans who says at the time they we were, there, we were with them on the day, weren't we? When the, they, the day that he was appointed. And they says they had no trust whatsoever in the people who run the club to make mm-hmm. the right decisions because mm-hmm. they wanted to keep Mourinho wholly for that reason was because well, we didn't trust the the Man United board owners to actually make the right decision and they've been proved right. I mean they have they have been proved right and it was a sent we talk about sentiment quite a lot over the last couple of weeks. Oh, mm-hmm. holy God, they share. Even if he got our job. Even if he got the Celtic job, Celtic fans would have been, what's he actually done to deserve getting the Celtic I know. job? No, you're spot on. Never we mind with, the United job. We were with someone who's been involved in United We Stand, the fanzine, he'd been involved in it for a number of years, if not decades, Kevin, on the day that Solskjaer got his got his job at Manchester United, and he was devastated, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. He was, because uh, it was ruining a hero. It was ruining uh, the legacy of a guy who's got, legendary status at, the, at Man United he's got legendary status in world football with that one and go and it was, a te- it was a horrendous decision and it's still proven to be like it as a horrendous decision you know the, the big thing that you were uh, you, you mentioned again elite managers and this is now to get you because it was Jim Orr that pulled me up about it and, and he asked me one day a couple of weeks back what is an elite manager you know, because all these terms get thrown about in football, don't they, Kevin? And you start using them yourself because you think in your own mind, I know what an elite manager is. But um, then then you ask the question, when Brendan Rodgers was appointed manager of Celtic, was he an elite manager? And you look at his record um, and you look at how many games at that point he had managed when he took over at Celtic. I would argue that he probably wasn't an elite manager. Yes, he had, um, he had managed Liverpool by that stage, but he was a failure at Liverpool. He didn't win anything with Liverpool. So he was a failure, just like Roy Hodgson was a failure. And someone said, ah, but he, he didn't get to number two in the league. If, number two is nothing. No one remembers the runners-up, Kevin. And, and he was an absolute failure. Now, that's not taking away what he achieved as a manager of Celtic. He gave us some phenomenal memories uh, of modern times. He's a massive part in the nine in a row. He's a massive part in what could be a quadruple treble. But um, I, I just think that, you know, there's a whole perception around this elite manager um, terminology that, you know, Brennan Rodgers was an elite manager, was he? I think he could be. He could be an elite manager. Uh, when we got him, when Brennan Rodgers was appointed manager of Celtic, he had won one trophy in his entire managerial career, and that was a playoff with Swansea. Um, he'd spent three seasons in the Championship, Kev, um, just as long as he had spent in the Premier League, one with Swansea, two with Liverpool. But Celtic fans... You know, for to a man and to a woman, we're happy with his appointment, and we turned up in our droves on the day he was actually announced. Um, so I don't think an elite manager, any elite manager, would ever consider coming to a club that did not have the potential to win a European trophy. I think that's what an elite manager is, someone who is at that level of management. So he wants to manage at that level, be that in Spain, Italy, 
Germany, France, England. So the, these managers will never be in Scottish football. Steven Gerrard was a rookie manager when he came into to Rangers. He's doing very well this season. Brennan Rodgers was, in many ways, a failed Liverpool manager when he was appointed at Celtic. So this elite manager thing, Celtic fans and football fans in general must, must realise that Celtic will never appoint an elite manager. I think if you have a look at it, there's certain managers that you'll see rebound round about the top team, the top clubs in Europe. Guardiola's one of them. If you look at the clubs that he's managed, Man City, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Ancelotti as well, even though he's at a, what you what some people would term a smaller club at Everton, but you look who he's managed. Anytime there's a big job comes up, Ancelotti's named in, in and around for, for a, a big, big job. Mm-hmm. What was Brendan Rodgers an elite manager? No, but he was the highest level of manager that Celtic could appoint. When yes. you when you looked, when you looked, when you looked at the names that were out there, and if we were being cynical, if we were actually being truthful, probably the only reason we got Brendan Rodgers was because he was a Celtic man. That was the only reason that we got Brendan Rodgers. If Brendan Rodgers had no contact to Celtic whatsoever, I very much doubt he would have got him. There's that so many level, elements. I know you've level. done lo- loads of research, Kev. I know you've done loads of research in the appointments of Neil Lennon, Martin O'Neill and Brendan Rodgers. But there's so many elements, isn't there, um, that are similar to O'Neill's appointment when you compare it to, to Rodgers. And O'Neill obviously had more success as a manager before he came to Celtic. Uh, two uh, League Cups down there, he had uh, taken Leicester City, an unfancied club, into Europe um, more than once. And, you know, he was sought after. He was massively sought after when Celtic got him. So I think there are similarities and one of the key areas of that is what you've just said there, there had to be that element of a Celtic state of mind. Otherwise, Martin O'Neill wouldn't have come to Celtic and Brennan Rodgers wouldn't have come to Celtic. And we could talk all day about whether or not Rodgers was a Celtic man as such. I mean, I'm led to believe he had never set foot at Celtic Park until the day that he came up to actually sign as a manager. And, you know, as far as I'm aware, that that is the truth. So was he really a Celtic man or did he have an inkling for Celtic with his background, with a lot of people um, in his area, probably supporting an English club and Celtic? I mean, you have a look at Martin O'Neill's never had the fact that he followed Sunderland when he was growing up as well. But Martin O'Neill's father actually says that if you get the chance to go to Celtic, walk to Celtic Park. Because mm-hmm. Celtic, Celtic, Celtic Man United and Sunderland made, made a... Uh, made a massive were a massive influence in, in Martin O'Neill's life um, if you have a look at it just now I have a look, you have a look down in England you look at the managers down in England would Sean Dice leave Burnley to come to Celtic? Not a hope not a hope would Sean Dice leave some, not that I'm saying I want Sean Dice to manage Celtic but if you're looking for a manager who's done well in the Midland English Premiership with a t- with an unfancied side, then Sean Dice is maybe the same as Brendan Rodgers. Sean Dice wouldn't leave Burnley to come to Celtic because there's no emotional att- attachment, unless you, unless you were pro- promising him absolutely Premiership money. But then does that not uh, say more about his lack of ambition as a football manager? Because he's never going to be in a position that he would be in at Celtic with regards to Champions League aspirations. I don't think so. I think it's just the English Premier League seen as the be-all be and end-all to um, two managers, two English managers. Um, and even even us, 
you hear you hear all these all these guys who are into expected goals and the athletic and stuff like that, and they all talk about you need to get a progressive manager. I mean, we would have so we would get a young manager from Europe. If you got a young manager for Europe, you're selling Celtic as a stepping stone again for them to move on to the next level. Brendan Rodgers used us as a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. To to get on to well as Leicester the next level that's a that's an argument for a whole other podcast that but but it, he used us to get back into the English Premier League and the but, first time and the first time he got that opportunity to go back into the English Premier League he worked his way out but you look at him now and you look at the uh, trajectory that the downward trajectory that uh, Arsenal are currently on and the pressure that's mounting around Arteta's position. At Highbury, because I still call it that. I know it's not Highbury anymore. Um, but you, you look at that, Kevin, right? That's probably, I mean, we were talking about it this morning. There's probably two or three jobs at the moment over the next couple of months that are going to become available at the top level in English football. Arsenal potentially is one of them, um, you know, because they're ruthless. They're, they're totally ruthless down there. Uh, we, you know, Borussia Dortmund are ruthless. That's what happens at, at that level of football. So if Brennan Rodgers goes to Leicester and does well, as he has done, both in Europe and domestically, and a job like uh, Arsenal, which will always be regarded as, what would you say, a top six job, even though they're nowhere near that at the moment, if you look at league positions, you still look at them as a top six club, don't you, down in down in mm. uh, England. Brendan Rodgers' name will be in the top three. So he knew that when he took the Celtic job. He's thinking not just one step ahead, he's thinking two steps, three steps ahead. Um, because he's a mercenary. And by the way, he is. I'm not trying to get, have a dig at him. He's a mercenary. So that uh, Arsenal club blazer would be um, on him before you could even, you know, before you could even consider where he's taken Leicester and where he could take Leicester. He'd be gone. He'd be signing for Arsenal. Absolutely, 100%. But part of that is Celtic were a part of that, Kevin. You know, let's use Celtic to get back on that ladder. And he knows you, you just got to look at managerial uh, moves from Scotland down south and players moving from Scotland. You need to then go at another level before you get into that top six. So we all, we all know the players that I'm referring to, you know, that have had to go to Southampton or Hull City or various other clubs before they get to that level. And it's the same with managers, isn't it? So um, I think Brennan Rogers is very shrewd and he's a mercenary, and he's used Celtic. But for another couple of seasons or three seasons of that progressive thinking and that development behind the scenes, Kevin, and development of young players, I would take another Brendan Rodgers again. I think the disappointment is worth it. Of course you would. You would, and I'm never going to argue that. I'm never going to argue that. And the problem that we've got would be attracting them here in the first place. And that would take an awful lot of money, and I don't think it's money that we would be willing to spend again. Um, I mean, Rogers did sign a four-year contract, which seems now bizarre when we always knew what his end game was going to be was to get back in the English Premier League. You, you look at a name like Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe's been linked with the Arsenal job as well over the last number of years when Wenger was at, was leaving. Would he come up? Would he come up here for two seasons to try and turn it round? Get, get his name back on the map? Or is he sitting down there already having the nod, saying there's going to be four or five jobs coming up in January? So you just sit tight just now and you're going to get an appointment back in the English Premier League. Um, it's, it's very difficult for these guys. 
and maybe be easier to attract. I always liked the old guy that was in Shakhtar Donetsk. It's recently took over at Dynamo Kiev. See, like the old wily Romanian, was it Popescu? What was it? Mm-hmm. Can't remember his name. But this guy who done wonders with Shakhtar Donetsk. And I'm going, why do you know just going to get him? Just go, go and come and do what you've done in Donetsk. Why come here? Because his teams were always organised, always done well in Europe. I understand that they could sign South Americans that we couldn't sign. And the Ukrainians maybe have a better level of player. But there didn't seem to be any forward thinking um, with the board with the with managerial appointments or managerial ta- managerial ta- uh, targets. I mean, you have a look at the targets that have been named over the last six weeks. It's very, very boring, isn't it? There's, there's nothing left field. There's nothing out the box. Um, there's like another Alec, day there. Where, where are you? Because I know that you've told us what you expect the Celtic board to do should there be a change. And by the way, I'm going to go back to some of the questions on the AGM in just a moment as well, Kevin. Some uh, other points to uh, dissect and disagree with and criticise because we're allowed to criticise. Um, but what name do you think, if we're being realistic, you know, because I keep saying that, uh, we, we brought in Brennan Rogers at a time where he had only won one trophy in his managerial career. Uh, he was a failure at Liverpool um, and he'll always be remembered as, as such. Um, and at that point, pre-Celtic, he had managed 316 games, three seasons in the Championship, 46.52% win rate, um, is that the kind of level of manager? Are we going for an unemployed manager as we have done in our last two appointments? The, the, the manager that we've got to go for is somebody who marks or who fits the long term development of the club. And I don't think we've ever. I, th- I think Dylan Rogers showed what the club were trying to do. They were trying to develop young players. And the point in Neil Lennon was completely against what you had done for the previous five years. Yeah. And that's how I've always said that Neil Lennon was the wrong fit at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. When you, you, you look at the player, the next manager that comes in has got to develop players uh, because COVID's going to absolutely knacker the transfer market. Brexit's going to knacker the transfer market for us bringing in what? Bringing in foreigners from uh, foreigners for other leagues there, of course, to come for other countries and other leagues. Bring, bringing in players from abroad. Um so we've got we've got to bring in a manager who's got a proven track record or a philosophy of developing players, and that's that's where it's got to be. And mm. I, w- I would expect there'll be football guys that we will be taking counsel from football men who'll be able to point us in the correct direction. But well, the names that but the names that are getting it's the marketers report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
get, that are being named, mentioned, like your Martin O'Neill's and your Paul Lambert's, are not guys that that fit that bill. What do you think of the idea of someone or a, a team, a partnership, like let's say Mark Hughes and Mark Bowen, whose names have come up uh, several times on the Axon Bulletin? Um, I'm not. Uh, saying no to any of the names that have been mentioned, but I think that Celtic fans, uh, you know, our expectations uh, may be pretty high if we we do change the manager. I've seen some top, top class names. I've even mentioned Martinez and Maloney myself just to get um, the flack that I know was coming the minute I said it. But what about Mark Hughes, Mark Bowen and possibly one of their um, countrymen that has a knowledge of Celtic Football Club coming in as a team? I must admit, there was a there was a certain website had an article last week when it was talking about it's only going to be desperate out of work managers with not the right experience to take over at Celtic, and now I was thinking about that. And you've mentioned Mark Hughes a couple of times on on this show, and I was going, wait a minute, Mark Hughes is like had managed Man City under under the Qataris. Mm. He, he's he's won loads as a player under Alex Ferguson. He done extremely well with Stoke. I think he got Stoke the highest highest placed uh, English Premier Premiership um, finish. Mm-hmm. He's managed a, a national team. He's got more he's got more bloody experience than Neil Lennon. A lot more. Uh, a lot more, and he's done a lot more than what Neil Lennon's done o- over his career as well. Uh, I'm, I'm talking out with Celtic yep. and I'm going, why would we automatically think that would be a bad appointment? The reason we think it's a bad appointment is because he's, he's, no, infla- he's, no, he's no fashionable. He's not in vogue. He's no flavour of the month. He's no kicking about like Arteta and Guardiola with three quarter length trousers and a thousand pound cardigans on it. And like t- talking about low blocks, high blocks and but you're right in what you say. I mean, 610 games at the very highest level, either at an international level as a manager or in the EPL. Never never managed outside the top division. Um, and by the way, I just think that, you know, it's one of the jobs that I think that there's a number of candidates who initially there's a perception, that, you know, that they're maybe out of touch, etc. You know, he managed just over a year ago. And I don't think, I don't think that um, a management team like that are certainly going to be um, on the same level as we currently have. I think that's what I'm saying. If you brought that in, there really is a proper strategy um, to a coaching and management team such as the two marks. And I know that as soon as you mention anybody, you're going to get comments coming in. Kevin, you mentioned Jack Cross because you think that's the kind of candidate that this current Celtic board would be interested in. No matter who you mention, you're going to get criticism. Um, but let's have a look at some of the some of the um, answers that came in from Neil Lennon. Um, and Peter Lowell reiterated that Neil Lennon is the man to take Celtic forward and believes performances are improving. Well, he must just be looking at the last two games there. Um, he believes that he can turn things round because he has a proven track record of winning trophies. But you know, you're looking in the past there, Kevin. If you ask me, because I'm going to I'm going to disagree with what Peter Lovell said there. Anyone who is a, a Celtic fan, anyone who's watched Celtic this season, knows that all season we have been completely. Um, off it, we've been miles away from performances that's going to win a- anything and Neil Lennon has not changed it sufficiently until the last two games lo and behold, the personnel that have come in 
uh, partly by luck, certainly not fully by design, um, have really re-energised the Celtic side. Then we get the comments, and we'll come back to these as well, Kevin, after the game, um, whereby Neil Lennon said that there might be one or two talking about the new faces appearing in the Scottish Cup final. Um, I'd like to think the hardcore that got us there will have the opportunity to play in it. Well, I don't think football works like that, does it? I mean, you don't bring back Scott Brown because... He assisted last season in us getting to the Scottish Cup final. He, he's not been um, up to standard for me to be starting the Scottish Cup final. I already had a discussion with you yesterday about Edward, and for what it's worth, I agree with you. I think Edward will start, but if you're basing it on current form, Edward, you know, w- wouldn't start. Frimpong potentially wouldn't start, and certainly Scott Brown wouldn't either. Um, you'd be looking at Shane Duffy, who has come in and played. I actually thought he played better yesterday than he did on on Thursday, Kevin. I thought that was his best game in a Celtic jersey yesterday. That bodes well. He's even spoken. He's come out, he's been brutally honest about his performances to date and the fact that obviously the confidence is starting to grow and build. So you're expecting him and Julien in the centre. You're expecting, because of that, Ayer at right back. I'm not sure what he'll do at left back. I, I prefer Laxalt to Taylor, personally. And I think he's got a better understanding with El Yanusi in front of him as well. But these are all the questions that we won't know the answer to until about one o'clock or quarter past one on Sunday afternoon. But the hints were there after the match, Kevin, that Lenny's going to revert to type. How concerning is that for you? It is concerning, but uh, I said it yesterday, I wouldn't be any surprised. Um, I, we, need, we need to give a chance to the players that got us there. Well, there's a number of players no longer there. Are you going to ask Fraser Foster to come back up for the weekend? That'd be nice. It's like, so you can't say that. We've got to have a look on form. I can't see us going into a cup final without our captain. I just can't see that happening. Um, but what what you mentioned there was lack salt. Uh, how do we think about this? I think Greg Taylor's a wild card to start. I really do. I think he played well yesterday. Um, he done more in the final third than what lack salt has done over the last couple of weeks. And I think he suited our system better yesterday. So I think Greg Taylor's maybe had a good uh, played himself into actually starting um, on Sunday instead of Laxalt. Talking about Taylor, um, let's go back to the two penalty shouts from yesterday, Kevin, because I know that you've been presented with some evidence since then. Have you changed your mind on the Taylor um, fill by the goalkeeper or the handball at the back post? Have you changed your mind on any of the two penalty shouts? Well, I don't think I need to change my mind on the handball. I did say it was a penalty in the letter of the law. But I, I, you, I, 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 I did you say don't that. think, but you don't think it should have been a penalty. I think it's a harsh penalty, but do then you? I do think it's a harsh penalty. But then I have been, I have been, uh, added it on Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to say that again because I cannot annoy you. Uh, I have been at it at Twitter and seen the picture and I'm going, oh, it looks absolutely horrendous. It looks like a stonewall penalty kick when you see that when you see that picture. The one with the goalkeepers is a penalty now. Uh, I says yesterday Do you think do you think Maradona handled the ball against England in nineteen eighty six, Kev, just so I can get some kind of perspective on this? Of course not. He outjumped Peter Shelton quite easily and headed the ball in the back of the net. Th- thanks for clearing that up, mate. Now, um, going back to some of the comments, Peter Lowell on contempt from the fans. Um, I understand, says Peter, uh, frustration. It's been a difficult run over eight weeks. 
Again, it's longer than eight weeks. I'm a Celtic supporter. I get it. We understand it. The social media world. Accusations that the board is holding fans in contempt. It can get a wee bit over the top. The support over the summer, they were nothing short of remarkable. I I, I guess he's talking about the... um, season ticket sales we have no agenda or motive we haven't given up on a league there are circumstances that have put us in this position we will do all we can to win a league well I'm afraid again I'm going to disagree with a lot of that there are mitigating circumstances that have contributed to the position they're not circumstances that have put them in the position Kevin because the mitigating circumstances let's say of Covid of the ball in Golligate of Griffiths still not being fit in December of players undermining the manager by leaking the teams they're mitigating circumstances that doesn't fully contribute to the poor performances the poor coaching the poor team selection the poor shape the loyalty to players that Lenny still seems to have uh, continuing to play players who are off form you can't simply say that everything that's happens to blame you know, everything outside the bubble of football is to blame. You can't say that. No, no, there's been loads of poor decisions made. And if they're talking about mitigating circumstances, explain them. Explain the mitigating circumstances. Because they, they're trying to imply there that they know more than us. And of course, they should know more than us, but they need to tell us. Why are you making the decision you're actually making? Is it because you told four players that they had to stay? Then you bring in a centre half earning fifty grand a week, and he's just upset the apple, apple cart, and you and you've got these players who now want to leave. I think January is going to be massive. I think you'll see who the bad apples are in, in January, and you'll see a few players moving on in January. This cup final, as I said yesterday, feels like a bookmark, and we can move on after this cup final. Well, Kevin, I think one player who's definitely for the office, Olivier and Cham, he's kind of gone AWOL, isn't he? He's not been on the bench. I know that there was a suggestion that he had picked up an injury for the European game. But again, with the, the emergence of David Turnbull in a position that we're already, um, you know, there's a there's a gluttony of, of talent in there, isn't there? You've got Rogic, who's not getting a game. You've got Christie, who's trying to fight back into the team, El Yanoussi. And of course, you've got Turnbull. So I, I can't see for a moment Encham being anywhere near that team so if we get a decent offer for someone like Encham you take it you do and on the other hand if you get a decent offer for this season's Eddie you take it because I mean you're talking about centre forwards for a Sunday we haven't got a centre forward we can trust at the moment there's not yeah. one on form or there's fit. Not, there's no one that you go, he's a definite starter. And the only reason I say that Eddie was a definite starter is because of previous. Yeah. But yep. but you've got you've got the four of them there and you go, I didn't trust any of the four of you to actually start the game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's that's a sad indictment of the talent within the four of them. No, you're right. Now, Neil Lennon's been talking about the Scottish Cup final. And before I go on to the comments, just to remind everybody that we are running a massive charity event next weekend. It's for the quadruple treble, and I'm not taking that for granted, but that's a good title for the charity event. I think next year we'll call it the Axon Weekender, Kev, and it might be an outdoor event. Who knows? But uh, we've already raised a, raised an incredible amount of money. I mean, we're sitting at the moment, let me just refresh the, the GoFundMe page, at £5,340. Um, as we speak, one of the Axon team are calling up companies to try and get more sponsorship. We're going to try and get a sponsor for every single show, Kevin, um, of which there are going to be 22 different shows 
A Celtic State of Mind will be one of those shows and we'll cover, I think it's three hours over the actual Scottish Cup final action, Kevin. The other 21 shows from the likes of the Homeboys, Four Tims on a Pod, Celtic Underground, The Cynic, uh, E-Tims, it goes on and on and on. Brilliant. As well as people like the Kano Foundation, St. Rock's, they will have one hour slots and we're looking for sponsors to appear on the top of the screen like the Fans Bet sponsor appears on this particular screen. So we're trying to raise as much as possible. It might be uh, something that's a wee bit pie in the sky, but I'm hoping that we have 10 grand in the bank before we even go into the, the Saturday's game, Kevin. It is possible. We've had a couple of more pledges coming in. We've also had some tremendous items coming in for an auction that we're going to be running simultaneously. Uh, signed jerseys, Matt's worn jerseys they're all starting to come in from people who have been fans of the show for some time so thanks everybody for getting involved the link if you want to throw a couple of pounds in the pot um, is underneath the video so please contribute whatever you can, there are four brilliant charities Kev, um, but we will be covering the Scottish Cup final, we'll be doing it live because it's two 12 hour broadcasts all live, so you'll see our reaction and hopefully it's a good one when we're playing hearts, but Neil Lennon is talking about the game and he says, recent successes unprecedented. It means so much to the players. So I guess he is talking about the quadruple treble. Uh, we won't ever see the likes of it again. Uh, hopefully we can come away with another piece of silverware. So, you know, it's, it's not saying much there, to be fair. Talking about Celtic's poor form, however, he says that we need fans back. It affects players subconsciously. We need that rawness. It means everything to me to turn things around. And there are signs of things really improving. I think there have been... Um, some positives over the last couple of games, Kevin. We need fans back. Yeah, I'm sure that would add to it, but it won't add to poor shape, poor squad management, poor uh, game management, uh, poor performances by a number of players who don't want to be at the club. So that, again, is a big sweeping generalisation that I don't buy. We've lost players to COVID. There's been some anxiety from the players overthinking their play. Uh, we look at the physical data and it's the same as last year. We've been antsy in the final third. I've told players, well, play to up front, Neil. I've told players about turning seasons around. So, you know, it's all this kind of stuff. I believe I can do it. I've contributed five titles. We've heard all this before after the post-matches, Kevin. Is he saying anything that convinces you that he's still the man for the job? No, it doesn't. Um, I, I still think this is just a lot of wind and rubbish uh, we all know a change is going to get made it's just a matter of when uh, I think that change will happen in, in January I've, I, I've been I've been say, I've said that quite 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 a lot um, it does make some decent points um, look this will only be this will only be um, the, the thing about the crowds I says this earlier on the season and I started thinking about it. Then I saw a stat this morning, actually, which said that in the Scottish Premier League, there's been more away wins this season than actually home ones. Mm. And then it got me got me thinking that maybe the crowds do make, make a difference. And I've always seen the Celtic side as an emotional side. I've always seen us as thriving on the emotion of the 12th man, which is us. You, tr- you, you say, you attribute that to Lenny Ball. We speak about Lenny Ball. You uh, think a lot of that is just raw emotion, isn't it? Just, just raw emotion. That, that's what I think it is, eh? Yeah. And, I, and I do think there maybe has been times where you, you've seen it yourself if you've been in a away game or something like that and it's 
maybe one each and you're going for a winner and it's the last 15 minutes where you're in that away end and the way end is absolutely vibrant and bouncing and you seem to be sucking the ball into the back of the net mm-hmm. and, you, and you're actually doing that. I mean, maybe that shows, shows us what a great support we are, eh? that this team's won, could win four trebles. And we've been utterly shite this season with no fans there. Maybe it was maybe it is all down to us. Maybe, maybe, maybe we are the key. Wow. Wow. You, you really are trying to stay in Peter Lovell's good books, Kev. I mean, you're talking about sucking the ball into the goal. Remember, Uri Geller went to watch Fulham. Remember, with Michael Jackson. I didn't think they won that game. But, I mean, you're talking about bending balls and all that kind of stuff. He was more into bending spoons, I believe. But uh, Robert Arbuckle's looking for an analogy, if you can uh, serve one up on a plate for us. But Stephen Wilson on YouTube states that I wasn't convinced with the manager's statement about the team for the cup final. Me neither, Stephen. I'm in your boat with that one. I was astonished, to be honest. Should I even be astonished? I mean, when you're looking at current form, we've had a massive problem, Kevin, this season with the goalkeeper. You mentioned Foster earlier on. Um, He's never been far from our minds. And Stevie Mullen basically said last uh, week, if Foster wanted to be at Celtic, he'd be here. So we went out and spent the best part of £5 million on a, a Greek international goalkeeper. We've never spent as much money as that on a goalkeeper um, ever. You know, it's a record for Celtic. It's not happened. It's not worked for him. It might happen. Who knows? It doesn't look very promising, to be fair. Scott Bain's a third-choice go- Celtic goalkeeper, and he's played a lot of games and some important games this season. So we've gone for the only option we had left, which was Connor Hazard. And for two games, he's been a, a commanding presence at the back. I mean, I know he lost a couple of goals, but he lost them against a quality side in Lille, Kevin. One of the best sides we're going to face all season, if not the best. They and AC Milan have both been very impressive. Uh, so for me, he deserves the jersey. He deserves the gloves come um, Sunday uh, in the Scottish Cup final, even though he's only played a couple of games for the first team. I don't think that matters. It's all about form. You look at Duffy. Duffy, I thought, was on his way out in January, Kevin. We've, we've asked the question, is there a release clause? Can you send him back to Brighton? All of a sudden, he comes in against Lille. Still looks a bit cumbersome. Makes a few errors. But then he was assured. He was assured in the bread and butter games, which is all we've got left now, the bread and butter games of yesterday, he, he, he was assured you could see him brimming with confidence. He's back up there. He's becoming even more of an aerial threat because we've now got someone who can cross a ball in uh, Turnbull. So brilliant, excellent. So he's got to start. And if he starts, then I it right back. You then move into Sorrow territory. And I take your point. If Sorrow plays, Scott Brown doesn't, basically. Would you agree with that? He, deser- he deserves to play. Based on the last two games, Sorrow deserves to play. I definitely sorrow sorrow does deserve to play, but I was trying to think. Brendan Rogers didn't he play Scott Brown in a cup final and he came on as a sub with about eight minutes to go against Aberdeen. Was it two seasons ago League Cup final? But I can't remember if Scott Brown was just turn, turning back eh, coming back for injury at that mm-hmm. point. Eh? So I, I just can't see I mean I, I think there's maybe a bit of eh, gamesmanship and Neil Lennon's comments putting a bit of doubt in Hart's minds who he's going to play and he's going oh, I'm going to go back with the tried and trusted so Hearts will maybe set up their team in a certain way to play certain players mm-hmm. then he then then he then he drops then he then he drops the, the grenade on the day and he keeps the same team as the week before uh, so so they, they could there could well just be a bit of uh, gamesmanship going on with Lennon yesterday. And also he needs to keep the players on their toes. Eh? 
So he, he's got to keep uh, his cards close to his chest. Um, so you're right. If Sorrow plays, uh, Scott Brown doesn't start. That's mm. the, that's the only way. I could I can fit Turnbull in my team. If I um, I can fit Turnbull in my team, but I can't. But I couldn't fit Scott Brown in my team. It's going to be an interesting lineup. Uh, I think both uh, Sorrow and Turnbull deserve their jerseys. I also think that the goalkeeper has done enough. Hazard. I, I still think we'll go into the market for a new goalie, Kevin. Um, which you know it seems unfair because if we ever want to have anybody developing and, and coming into the first team and keeping their jersey, they've got to get games. But it's a long, hard season, and um, if anything was to happen to Connor Hazard, be that suspension or injury, then you're calling back on two guys that haven't done the business. So I can still see us going into the market. And why going for a third or a second choice? You're going to go in for someone you're going to play, I think. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see how that develops. Um, there's been a few comments in relation to uh, my reading of the AGM uh, comments and Adam believes that what I'm saying is negative and Adam no doubt a nice guy well uh, some might uh, disagree with that however um, I, listen I, I can take any any level of criticism whatsoever um, but to be honest with you sir I, I don't think it's negative to question and criticise the Celtic board I think it's absolutely necessary I think um, it's not an entitled kind of view Kevin I think it's about standards it's about maintaining a standard not accepting defeat and at the moment, if we listen to what Peter Lowell and Neil Lennon just said, you know, you could curl up in a ball, come back out in May, and we'll be second in a league at best. So when we're talking about change, it's only because we don't want to be second best or even worse in Scottish football. Um, and, and I keep going on about demands. I think Celtic fans are demanding rather than entitled. Um, so when you question the board, Kevin, uh, some people see it as negative. Uh, how do you take criticism of Celtic and your big pal Peter on the board? Um, most of the time it's deserved um, there's very little time that I disagree with any slingshots that are fired at the board uh, um, I've always been honest with my opinions of, of the board and we've got to overall we are an intelligent an intelligent support I reckon uh, we're, very, we're very football minded and we don't just fire criticism uh, we're not a knee-jerk support. We really are not a knee-jerk, knee-jerk support. Um, as I've said, the stuff that we're talking about has been spoken about for years and years. The clubs need to be... You need to actually question your club or you end up or you end up going out of business or you end up like... Or, or you could get took doing some dark holes if you don't question what's going on at your football club. And... We need a we, we we need strong and robust uh, talks, and uh, we need to be honest with each you've other. Be, you've got uh, to be. You've got to be. You've got to be honest with each other. Yeah. And, and I can say uh, I'm not going to mention being in meetings and all of that in a past life and that, but I have been, and I have been in a room with fifty other guys, and I've seen Peter Wall get some extremely tough questions, mm-hmm. which haven't, which haven't been put to him before. I remember one one. A meeting where the first question was when you when are you resigning, Peter? That was that was the first question. I so, think Ad, I think Adams just asked me that question there as well, Kev. So you might be presenting the show tomorrow. 
Oh no, that'll be a disaster if I have to present this. Um, hiking and biking Scotland and Cham, this is a good point actually and you're making it on YouTube so if you are watching on YouTube please subscribe, it's all free. Um, and Cham has been a passenger for nearly two years, move him on. If you think about the pre-season just after Neil Lennon got the job permanently Kevin uh, and Cham was mouthing off to the French press if you'll remember talking about being uh, the best player in, in the Scottish League, it's no longer a challenge, he needs, he needs a move to develop, remember all that? And I don't think there were many Celtic fans around about that time who would have been unhappy to see him go now although I'll criticise Neil Lennon um, particularly for this season where I think that he's been to blame for a lot of uh, Celtic's ills I, I praised him at that time for his man management ability because he managed to get Encham back not just back at Celtic he managed to get him back in the team and playing pretty well last season for spells I mean we remember back to the Lazio victory you can't remember that game without the celebration of Encham after the winning goal so Encham there's a player in there Kevin but I just think there comes a point and particularly in modern football there comes a point where it's time to go for players isn't it and managers as well a lot of people think it's a three year thing whereby you know there comes a point where they are looking to, to move on and progress uh, change of scenery change of management change of setup, change of environment country whatever it might be um, and I think Encham's at that stage now and he's in a position where we could afford to sell him it looks like he's been at that stage for about 18 months um, we're always going to look back on Encham's Celtic career with regret because he's got that much talent he could have he could have been an, an utter legend with us but he just hasn't got it to do it week in week out whether he just doesn't fancy the Scottish game or he just he thinks that he's too good for the Scottish game mm-hmm. but that's where he was that's where he is that's where he's getting his money and he, and, and there's times when you see him playing balls we and you go, no, nobody in Scottish football can play that. I know. He's got that in him, but he just doesn't turn up. And I, I remember uh, earlier on, I went, sometimes you want a six or seven, uh, a guy who produces six out of, six out of ten, seven out of ten on a weekly basis for you, rather than you want somebody that's a nine one week and a two the following week. Sometimes you want the 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 tired and the, the the dependable player rather than somebody you're you're putting on the part going I wonder if he's going to turn up today and and charms in the in the in the water category there mm-hmm. no you're absolutely right and and I think that we're we're at the the risk Kevin if we are too loyal to some of the players who have been great servants over the the piece over the quadruple treble era if you like uh, we're at risk of reintroducing them into a side and also reintroducing that staleness uh, that we had seen creeping into Celtic's team um, for me you know I get your your point about here's a question I get your point about Scott Brown um, here's a question for you I, I guess he won't be allowed to sit in the dugout because obviously the subs all sit in the stand don't they I think he'd be more of an influence as actually one of uh, Lenny's allies during the game sitting in the dugout still a player still on the bench but I actually think he's got such an influence Kevin over his teammates you know they've all seen him as the captain over the last nine seasons Uh, the newer players have known nothing different than Scott Brown as a captain but I I genuinely would start with McGregor uh, as a captain Uh, Brown would be I say on the bench, but I mean that kind of metaphorically. But if he could actually be on the bench, I don't know. Is he allowed on the bench? Is it coaching staff only at the moment? Hamden's different, eh? Because it is quite a large technical area anyway. Mm -hmm. And like behind, so they come down onto the touchline. He wouldn't wouldn't be allowed in the the coaching area, I don't think. But when he's out warming up, he could surely 
give a bit of motivation. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does when he's out warming up. I'm sure he does speak speak to the players. He seems that type of guy. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was doing his coaching badges eh? because he was taking the yeah yeah development squad. Eh? I mean, my idea always, my thought always was that if we ended up with John Kennedy as an interim manager that you would likely to have seen Scott Brown move on to the coaching staff at that point if we had if Neil had uh, gone uh, in the last couple of weeks. I always had that thought that Scott Brown would end up as part of an interim coaching team mm-hmm. and possibly part of the coaching team going forward. And that, gonna... could, and that could still that could still actually happen. It possibly could. I mean, Terry Tibbs comes in via YouTube to ask why Irish Mick is not involved. And I think what you're referring to is the, the weekender. Well, listen, Irish Mick is welcome. And what I'll actually do, we've got three hours, Kevin, um, over the game, over the actual game, we've got three hours. And what I'm planning to do is just get, you know, dialing people in and out during that three, that three hour period. So if anybody actually wants to dial in, send me a message, give me your email address and, Depending on your level of intoxication at the time, I'll just dial you into the game and we can have a bit of chat. And I think what I'll also do is I'll probably throw that out to a lot of the guys that we've maybe been in touch with Kevin over the years. This isn't me name dropping, but we've interviewed quite a lot of players over the years uh, who have come kind of pally with, you know, it'd be good to maybe dial in Brian McClear um, and guys like that, maybe Simon Donnelly, just to see what they're thinking if they're not already on journalistic duties, media duties somewhere else. It would be brilliant, and especially Brian McClure. We need to we need to utilise uh, Brian more often because he's brilliant. I love Brian McClure. I really mm-hmm. do. No, he is. He's great. He's a great chat. And, and the unfortunate thing with Brian is he can't say on record anything that went on at the SFA because there's a contract stopping him from saying it. But if you ask him off the record, he'll tell you all about it, which is uh, always good fun as well to hear the ins and outs of um, the SFA and the inner workings of that establishment. Um, so, I mean, looking at transfer priorities, looking at January, Kevin, I've mentioned the goalkeeper. I still think we will strengthen in that department. Um, I think there's going to be quite a few departures as well. Uh, where else would you strengthen looking at that Celtic side? I think we, we, we probably need to bring in uh, some wide forwards, wide midfielders. Uh, I think we, we can't rely we can't rely on a Forest coming back and getting up to speed as quick. If any of the other injuries that we've had this season's proved it could be months before Forest is back up to speed. Uh, so we probably need a we probably need a winger. Um, if we sell a, a centre forward. Uh, we'd probably need a centre forward as well, but trying to bring one in January, trying to bring a quality one in in January is going to be difficult as well, because most teams won't sell their top man in in, in January. Um, it's really difficult. I think it really depends on who who goes. I think it does. Uh, uh, I, I think it does. I think it really really depends on who goes. Um, January again. If, 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 who, who's going to be buying the players in January? That's 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 another word. Um, oh, there's there's that comment there. Uh, who's going to be buying these players in January? And it's, I'm I'm looking forward. I'm actually not looking ahead to January. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this weekend. I've got a bit of a wee spring in my step, and I'm looking forward to this, which feels like a bookend or something it feels like we can move on after this Sunday and hopefully we move on with another cup one well absolutely Kevin absolutely I think um, 
a lot of people have asked me, uh, you know, does the last two results change anything? Well, obviously it changes the very immediate term of Celtic trying to get some momentum going in this title race, trying to turn it around, trying to salvage something from this season. But the more deeper rooted issues uh, were obviously um, the reason why there was a protest outside the ground. Mm-hmm. Now, what was your what was your thoughts on that? I was reading the, the comments and the statement that was made by who was called it, the chairman of the trust. Um, Jeanette Finlay's not the chairman, is she? Not the chairperson of the trust. Was I thought it, that was. I thought what, it was David Lowe. What was David Lowe? Eh? Yeah, but I think you know it was maybe misquoted. But Jeanette certainly said a few words about the protest and why Celtic fans were protesting. Kevin, what was your over, overall view of the protests yesterday? They were peaceful. They gave the they gave the team a fantastic reception when they when they came off the bus. Everybody's got a right to protest. It just didn't sit right with me protesting in a pandemic. That just didn't sit right with me um, at all. The Trust have got their own agenda, and that sounds bad, but the Trust want to buy shares and get people on the board, uh, get a fan representation on the board. And that's what that's and that's what they were protesting about. Um, fair play to the Trust. They're very vocal. They're very public. And good luck to them in the future. Mm. Well... Red Scotland is uh, still on the Irish Mick case at the moment and he reckons that Mick would bring a lot to the event. He is enthusiastic and off the cuff. Does anybody know Irish Mick? Can you put us in touch? I'm more than happy to dial him in at some point during the three-hour slot that Axom have got um, that weekend, Kevin. It might be quite amusing. Is Irish Mick actually Irish? Did I, I don't know. Did I know I th- that he plays it being Irish? He's from I think. Anyway, <laughs> possible. I just made that up. Um, so, thanks everybody for getting involved. I, I will remind you that uh, underneath this video, there is a link that takes you to the GoFundMe page. Um, it's an incredible amount so far, and some brilliant donations of items for the um, auction as well. We've got some more messages coming in, Kevin. Some fantastic video messages coming in this week as well from Celtic fans, ex-players, those from the music industry as well. So. I'm hoping for a big, big turnout on the weekend. Sometimes over one game uh, at a weekend, Kevin, we've, we've had up to sixty-seven to 70,000 um, people tuning in on one day. Uh, so we're hoping to, over a, a period of 24 hours, you know, have a couple of hundred people coming in and hopefully we can raise a lot of money for people who are going to be extremely vulnerable, even more so than normal uh, this Christmas as well. So that's really in the spirit of Celtic. That is what being Celtic-minded and of a Celtic state of mind is all about, I would say, Kev, uh, that charitable element. So thank you, everybody, for getting involved. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe on YouTube. Uh, once again, Kevin Graham, thank you for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Cheers, lads. Report. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.